Hi, I'm Delaney. I'm Emma. And I'm Sammy. And today we're going to discuss the film Spotlight and how accurately it was portrayed from not only the book, but the real life perspective as well. Honestly, I had no idea what the movie Spotlight was about. And it wasn't until Emma and Sammy shared the film that my interest grew on the subject of what happens behind closed doors in the Catholic Church. And let me just say, I was mind blown the minute the movie ended. Sammy and I didn't even know about the film and what happened at the Boston Globe until we learned about it in our college English class. The way the movie captured what happened from a journalist's point of view was really eye-opening. The 2015 film Spotlight is based on true events that occurred during and decades before the 90s in Boston that weren't investigated until a small group from the Boston Globe named Spotlight began to investigate the crimes in 2001 and 2002 for an article in the newspaper. The heavily read newspaper described that the Catholic Church was hiding the abuse the priest put young kids through for decades behind closed doors. The inspiration for the movie was based on the book that one of the original Spotlight journalists wrote, Betrayal, The Crisis in the Catholic Church by Sasha Pfeiffer. With a few emails, we were lucky enough to have the opportunity to sit down with one of the journalists who worked alongside Sasha during the time of the article, Matt Carroll. Being able to sit down and talk to Matt was eye-opening for all of us. We were able to see how real the story was and how greatly impacted not only the community surrounding it, but the entire world. I completely agree. He did not hold back on his answers and answered any questions we had with full honesty. To get a bit of background knowledge, let's dive into what the article is about. As a sacred space, the Catholic Church is known for being perfect, but little did the world know that what was thought as a safe haven was home to many children's traumas. The congregation of the churches always sided with the church. As a whole, the public was unable to believe that the system they put all their faith in would do anything like the allegations that had been placed on the church were ever accurate. It wasn't until they had the proof they needed to justify the claims they started to believe it. Before the published article came out that the Spotlight team had written about the wrongdoings of the Catholic Church, anytime there was a negative article about the church, the congregation blackballed the news outlet that had published the article. Matt Carroll described it perfectly when we had asked him if there were any backlash given to the Boston Globe or the Spotlight team. No, but we thought about that. and Because what had happened was a decade earlier, there was a priest named Father Porter who was in a parish called Fall River, which is just south of Boston, about 25 miles south. And Father Porter was a bad guy. He abused 100-something kids. Yeah. And when the kids grew up, they started accusing Father Porter of abuse. Um, and so they went to court. And the Globe started writing a lot of stories about these stories of these kids. But all, it became what in the business is known as a he said, she said, right? We're basically, he's saying, I didn't do it. And all these other people saying, he did do it. But that's as far as we could push the story because we yeah. didn't have the paper. And with these people saying, I was abused. And he's saying, I didn't do it. So wh why don't you just stop? And so people started canceling subscriptions. Advertisers started canceling advertising. And it became a problem after a while people were picketing outside um and so after a while we did kind of we kind of wrapped it up we just stopped doing stories so um but that story had split people so a lot of people were like yes he he was a bad priest and other people were saying no no, no there's no way a priest could be abusing kids this didn't happen yeah. so it was a very tense situation so now we're 10 years later we're doing kind of the same story again and what happens is we now we get the paper, right? We get all these memos which said, Father Gagan abused a boy in this parish. Send him to another parish. Don't tell the Monsignor there what he did. What would happen was Father Gagan will be put in charge of the altar boys. 
And uh, when we when we ran the stories, we were running all these memos in the paper and online. This is early days of online, so we were actually printing copies of the memos in the paper and then put, putting PDFs online. And so people could read the memos and make up their own mind. Now it's not a he said, she said. It's like, okay, here's the information. You can read it and make up your own mind. And people were so, so angry at the church. And um, it was, it was instead of like a 50-50 split, with very, very different situation because we had the evidence this time. The way the investigation fell into the team's lab was not the typical way that they usually do. Matt goes on to explain how it happened. So Marty Barron was the new editor, and Marty is a Jewish guy coming to a very Catholic city, right? Boston's the most, the biggest Catholic city in the country, yeah. and um, by percent of people. And so Marty comes from Miami, and he comes to Boston, and he first day he's reading these stories about these priests who allegedly abused these kids, but all the records are sealed. And Marty's like, well, why the heck are they sealed? Because he's coming from Florida, which has very liberal laws as far as opening up court records, and the court records are always supposed to be open. So Marty comes to Boston after reading this story by a columnist named Eileen McNamara, and he says, I don't understand, why can't we see these records? And everyone's like, oh, I don't know. And Marty's like, well, that sounds like a good story to me. I want Spotlight Team on it. And so that was it, and we jumped on it, and we yeah. went from there. The book was an outline for an entire film. The writers Tom McCarthy and Joss Singer were approached with the task of writing a script based on the book Sasha Pfeiffer had written about her experience on the Spotlight team, as well as the process of writing the article Betrayal, the Crisis in the Catholic Church. Betrayal, the Crisis in the Catholic Church covered in great detail Sasha's experience during the project, but it did not go into great detail about the other journalists' experiences, and this is where the movie differed greatly from the book. McCarthy and Singer made a top priority to approach the journalists featured in the Spotlight team to allow the movie to not only focus on Sasha's experience, but on the whole panorama of what was going on between the Spotlight members. It was as if the scriptwriters were investigating the investigation. We were really curious as to what Matt had to say about the movie, and he had only good things to say about it. In short, he loved it. He had no problem praising the movie for all it's worth. So our question to him was that if he liked the movie Spotlight and how it was produced. We were all pretty happy. We were all happy with the movie. We, the the the, uh, the director Tom McCarthy and the writer um, Josh did just a wonderful, wonderful job with the script, and the characters were just really spot on. And I, of course, am played by the most handsome guy in the world. And really, they they worked very, very hard on the script, and they kept coming back to us, and they would show us the script. They said, "Look, we want to make sure that we capture what it's like to be a journalist," and they did such a good job with that. One thing that always made me laugh was I, I read a, a story with the, I forget the exact title, but the person who gets the clothes for all the actors, the costume mm -hmm. person. And uh, Tom apparently kept telling this woman, no, the clothes look too nice. Get them grungy clothes, grungy <laughs> clothes. And uh, that's true, right? So I, you know, I buy my clothes at either Costco or the local thrift store, so I'm not exactly a fashion icon. <laughs> and I, I do feel like they really captured what it's like to be a journalist. And that was really the first time when I started to believe that it actually might happen. And then a year, it really took nine months or something, maybe a year, I forget, before they came back to us again and said, okay, we have a, a cut. We want you to take a look at it. It's 95% done. So we sat down. All of us got together with our wives and girlfriends and boyfriends and that kind of stuff. And we went to this little screening room. There's probably 15 or 20 of us. And we sat down. And we watched it, and it was such a surreal kind of out-of-body experience mm -hmm. because I'm watching this movie, 
And I'm like, okay, that's me, but it's not me. And that's you know, <laughs> Sasha and Mike Rodney, but it's not them. And that's our story. But when I did it, it was so it was so hard to explain what it meant. And uh, at the end of the movie, Josh and Tom were waiting outside the screening room, and I I was like the first one out. I looked over my shoulder, and everyone had these classy guys. Like everyone been like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> and uh, Josh and Tom were like, did you like it? Did you like it? I'm like, oh yeah, I liked it. I liked it. But honestly. I, I, it was such a weird experience. I didn't know what I thought. I knew the movie didn't suck. And um, so my relatives, and I, I have a really big family, so they're all like, is it good? Is it good? And I'm like, I, it doesn't suck. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> I, I really, I, I couldn't explain it. Mm-hmm. And so then a couple months later, there's this, like this whole circuit where they show movies, festival circuit, and it was up in Toronto. They have this big film festival up there every year. It's a big deal. So they invited us up there to go watch it and be interviewed and stuff. And so they were showing the movie again. And that time, I'm like, this is the second time I'm seeing it. And that time, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to sort of pull myself back and watch it as a movie. And at the end, I'm like, damn, that's a pretty good movie. <laughs> and I was kind of shocked. And then, you know, we get the standing ovation. And that was the first time people started talking about the Oscar. Initially, when the producers of the film, Nicole Rockland and Bly Pagan Faust approached the Boston Globe about their interest in producing a movie about their previous investigation, the reaction they received was one that was very anticipated. Matt Carroll, the computer-savvy reporter on the Spotlight team, explained how he did not see the value in reproducing a film about the investigation, and in his own words said, and I quote, You're talking about doing a movie about people sitting behind desks and typing up notes and writing stories. It doesn't sound very dramatic to me, but if you want to try it, go ahead. Nicole Rockland and Bly Pagan Faust had an amazing idea when they pitched the movie. They found even better writers to execute their plans. The way McCarthy and Singer hit every single point they needed to make the story seem like it wasn't just another over-dramatized film astonishes not only us, but the original journalist as well. The interview with Matt added a crucial part to the narrative and gave us key points that piece the story together for us. Not only did he answer any questions we had in regards to his experience, but he's also a kind, open-minded individual. We'd like to thank Matt Carroll again for taking the time to sit down and talk to us with 100% honesty. Looking back, the Spotlight team could have written any other article, and the making of the movie moved millions and empowered them to speak out and create a movement that the world had never seen before. And it was all these people saying, I was abused too, I was abused too, I was abused too. It was so emotional. And at first it was just Boston, and then it was New England, and then it was the rest of the country. And pretty soon we were getting calls from other countries. It was just amazing how fast it exploded.